This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I am your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 136, and it's about the themes of Jerry Lynn. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show. It's Mike Falcone. Hello, Mike. Andrew, how are you, buddy? I'm glad to be talking with you. and glad to be talking about Jerry Lynn, so it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, first time on here for you. And um, it's funny, normally when you're on the network... It's to be on Five Star Match Game with Joe Gagne yes. for some trivia. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a different tone on this show, I think, overall there, Mike. So not, not as much, not as much stress. There's not as much no, no. Uh, in the air. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, obviously, I'm, I'm just such a huge fan of music and wrestling. Just the way music and wrestling, you know, mix it together. I think there's, you know, it, it needs, you know, wrestling needs music, you know, it's just a perfect combination. So it really is like, you know, a good idea for a podcast just because it's so, uh, so much of a, you know, there, it's, it means so much to, to each other. You know what I mean? So it's someone that has to do something like this. So yeah, definitely <laughs> good, good stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah. I do appreciate those words a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, since it's your first time on the show here, I'll ask you this, Mike, how did you become a wrestling fan? How'd you get into it? I just started watching wrestling, um, you know, on television, you know, on the weekends, because, you know, back then it would be like syndicated in the early 90s, you know, like on, you know, the Fox affiliate or whatever. And then you'd have, you know, primetime wrestling on USA. So you catch a little bit, you know, um, you know, on TV. And it was uh, that in the magazines and collecting the action figures is what really made me kind of like a hardcore fan, like right away as a kid. And then, you know, just like growing up when I got older, you know, like ECW came. And then ROH came and then, you know, um, you know, like all the, the indie promotions in the 2010s, you know, and that whole explosion. So I kind of, as I grew up, like all these different new, you know, companies started forming or it, it wasn't just the same, you know, cartoon WWF of the early nineties. It was stuff that was a little bit more of my age. And, you know, as you get older, you know, there's obviously, you know, um, you know, new Japan, you know, something, you know, maybe like a five-year-old wouldn't admit like as much as, you know, something that's in their twenties where they can maybe get the little nuances of the things a little bit more, you know? So, yeah. So I think, you know, as I, as I matured, I think, you know, the wrestling, uh, you know, I watched it too. And, uh, but, you know, I always still go back to the classics. I always go back and watch like 1990 superstars and stuff, you know, with earthquake squash and Hulk Hogan on the brother love show, you know, there's <laughs> always just, uh, the wrestling that like whenever you were a kid, I think is always a little special as, you know, we'll get into the themes and, and type of, but, the wrestling that you associate when you were a kid or like when you first started watching is, you know, you, you kind of have a little bit more of a place in your heart for that kind of stuff. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And um, you kind of hinted at this earlier, but um, has music played a big part in your fandom at all? Yeah, definitely. You know, like a lot of music videos, like when I was maybe like when the Internet, you know, really first kind of came on like in the very late 90s, early 2000s, one of the things that people would kind of do that you would really download were music videos. You know, people kind of wouldn't maybe upload full matches, but you would watch like these music videos and really like any kind of wrestling clips with any kind of music for the most part. It could be, you know, a rap song or an art, you know, any 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 kind of song that you have. I feel like, there, you know, if you put some wrestling clips behind it, you know, you, you may find that, like, you know, it, it goes well together. I think there's just, you know, something that's that really nice about, you know, music, you know, the way that the um, the melody between, you know, the, the, the action, I think there's just a lot, you know, that, you know, it just really kind of improves that in a way. You know what I mean? When you're kind of watching it sometimes. Yeah, so music videos were huge, you know, and, and being an ECW fan, you know, um, whether I think it was legal or not, because I think they did work with Tommy Boy. So they did have some, but I think, you know, obviously they used whatever songs they wanted to, but ECW using the real music was obviously was so huge because, you know, WWF were using just, you know, random songs. Every sub was using random songs, but ECW was using songs that you would hear on the radio that you would hear, you know what I mean? Like you would see on MTV, like the music video. So it, it, it really kind of like added to that too, where, 
you know, not only was it the music of, of you know, today, but like, you know, these are the wrestlers are coming out to it. So it really was a, a cool thing. And, you know, still, you know, I associate Inner Sandman with the Sandman, um, Man in the Box with Tommy Dreamer, come out and play with Raven. You know what I mean? Every, you know, you still hear these songs, you know, when I listen to the, you know, the radio in Philadelphia or whatever, like it just, you always just think about those guys instantly. They always come to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always had that itch to make wrestling music videos. And uh, a few years ago, I did make a couple of them about New Japan just for mm. fun. And it was fun, but, you know, I- I'm someone who uh, is a bit particular about which songs to use and which yes. clips and-, and keeping the music in time with the clips as well. So, exactly. yeah, they're-, they're fun to do, but they can be uh, a bit time consuming as well, Mike, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, very time consuming. And, and, and yeah, like I'm very, you know, I can be very particular with things too. So that's like one of those things where you just have to just go into it, like not caring in the first place, you know, just whipping together. But yeah, it, it is a little time consuming. That's why, probably why you don't see as many of them nowadays. You know, it's just uh, not enough, not enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm, right, right. Well, today, Mike, we're going to talk about the themes of Jerry Lynn, someone who I'm a big fan of. I know you're a big fan of his, too. And, um, you know, it may not be a household name or was ever like a, a major, major star. But if you know your wrestling and your wrestling history, if you're a wrestling nerd like us, <laughs> you know the name Jerry Lynn because he had a very extensive career, first of all. I mean, the guys are tired now and uh, coaching AEW, but he had a 25-year career to the day. And he wrestled literally everywhere, WWF, WCW, ECW, TNA, ROH, New Japan, Michinoku Pro, CMLL, AWA, Global, a bajillion indies. Like, prolific is not a big enough word for Jerry Lynn's career, Mike, that, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I started out you know, watching Global in 1990 on ESPN, and then, you know, he was in ECW, he was in, you know, WCW, uh, yeah, everywhere, you know, TNA, obviously he was huge in TNA at the start, you know, in 2002 and, and even 2005, 2006, when they kind of moved more into the impact zone and they kind of ran more, you know, that they were kind of shifting to the Orlando, to, you know, uh, TNA with, with that stuff, you know, he was a big part of that too. So just always, always around, always one of those guys where it's even kind of known he's, he's underrated. Like he, it's kind of like he, it said so much that he's underrated that maybe he's not underrated because so many people have <laughs> given him his due, but still. You know what I mean? He's just someone that, you know, everybody just respects. He's one of the very few people that, you know, in the wrestling business where everybody kind of talks crap about everybody. He's never someone that's brought up in, in anything where anyone has any problems with them. I think he's pretty much well liked backstage. I think it's, you know, um, just a really, you know, solid guy in, you know, outside the ring, but in the ring, just, you know, probably one of the best technical wrestlers, you know, going i thought he was just uh fantastic you know in the ring just always uh solid matches really had anything other than an average match i mean he was just always a consistently great wrestler mm-hmm. yeah outside the ring he's kind of in that like mcfoley kevin steen camp where they're just a great guy everyone loves which yeah a, a rarity in wrestling absolutely um and in the ring yeah again just a tremendous wrestler you know throughout his entire career um, now, I first saw him when he was in TNA in the X Division, but uh, you said it was Global where you first saw him, Mike? Yeah, and that, by then, I think he was kind of like a blonde, you know, and obviously he had blonde hair uh, throughout his entire career, but it was real, it was real blonde back then. And um, I think he wore trunks too, I, you know, probably the, one of the few times in his career, I think he wore trunks, but I think for the rest he wore the, the long pants. But yeah, I remember, yeah, first starting out, because him and the Lightning Kid, you know, I think they, they really... Uh, they do get credit, but not maybe not even enough credit you know, nowadays for just how working that style, you know, in in the in that era where everybody was just kind of a more of a punch kick kind of a thing. You know, they were doing cannonballs to the floor. You know, they were kind of doing moon salts and, and a lot crazier stuff. You know what I mean? So they were always, you know, Jerry was always, you know, working hard. And even as a kid, you kind of notice like, hey, this guy's a really good wrestler. You know what I mean? Like he he's he does more than just, you know, punch the guy and, and leg drop him. You know, he, he's actually really moving in there, you know. And, <laughs> and as a kid, I you know, that was how I looked at Mr. Perfect, to be honest with you. I mean, I always remember Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart being those guys were like, even as a kid, like, you, you would think, like, there's something about them that they do that's impressive more than the other guys. And, you know, you would later learn that, you know, it was because they were great technical wrestlers. So I think that was the case, too, with Jerry Lynn. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt the same way about Jerry when I first saw him in TNA, uh, along with other X Division guys like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley. Like, okay, these are a different class of wrestlers altogether. Um, and you know, they they called Jerry a pioneer of the X Division because he was there at the beginning with AJ and and Low Key and Psychosis and those guys. And he is a pioneer. I mean, you look at that feud he had with Lightning Kid and, and Global that you mentioned. That was, what, 91, 92? And they're doing X Division, Cruiserweight Division stuff, you know, years before it became big in the States. Uh, those are some very influential matches for a lot of wrestlers. And same with the RBD feud and, and ECW. And those matches are, are also pretty incredible. And the X Division stuff as well. Like, you know, Jerry was just an outstanding pro wrestler. And a very influential one as well. And, you know, tons of wrestlers and fans will will say that. He just never got the level of mainstream stardom that other guys did, including his rivals. You know, X-Pac, RVD, AJ. They all became, I think, much bigger stars than Jerry in the long run. He just, you know, he always seemed to be the bridesmaid more so than the bride, I guess, Mike. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, size issue, maybe he wasn't great on promos, you know, and hey, listen, I'm a little guy myself, you know, I could have been, you know, you know, he just didn't have the size, you know, he just didn't have the, the size to him. So I, you could kind of see why Vince went like him, but, you know, WCB kind of really didn't, you know, ig- ignored him. They didn't really push him much, you know what I mean? So he really wasn't much of a photographer. So in a way, I do understand why he never made it to that stardom. But like you said, for the people that are, you know, hardcore fans and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I think. He, he is respected in that community you know what I, mean? I, I think you know he, he will his he will live on you know way past you know he's gone just because you know his um the way that he worked you know among wrestling fans will always be talked about you know for for many years to come mm-hmm. i mean it's still a pretty damn good career to have you know to mm-hmm. not absolutely. just be a great oh, wrestler yeah. but to be seen as a legend and to have all that that reverence and respect from people and um, I know earlier this year, uh, GCW did that Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame, and Jerry was put in first year. And it's like, well, yeah, duh, of course. Like, there's like, what, like 200 promotions on his cage match profile, at least? Like, so yeah, I mean, he still gets his proper due from, you know, a lot of people, I think, Mike. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's get to these themes here. And uh, Jerry has had a lot of themes in his career. We're only going to cover the ones from, I guess, the major and most well-known eras of his career. So WCW, ECW, WWF, TNA, and ROH. Everything else, either I could not find info about from like his earlier stuff, or they were from various indies or whatever, and he only used it like a couple of times. So that said, we still have nine songs to get to, so a good amount there. And um, looking at the list here, Mike, you and I talked about this beforehand, we're not really big fans of the kind of music that Jerry Lynn likes to listen to and uses for his entrance music, which is, you know, dark, intense, growly voice death metal. It's not our cup of tea. Um, I do like metal, just not that type. I, I much prefer the more straightforward classic stuff, you know, Sabbath, Priest, Metallica, Maiden, Deep Purple, etc., etc. So um, from like a, a personal enjoyment standpoint, uh, this will be a very unique episode, I think, Mike. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, but, you know, I think there are a few gems in here. And I mean, you know, I think as much as I think we have said to us, you know, as much as we're not fans of it, I think, you know, I could respect it and I could get into it, you know. And I think for Jerry Lynn being such a metalhead, like one of, you know, the things about Jerry Lynn um, that maybe the fans, you know, a lot of people, you know, know about Jerry Lynn is that he's such a metalhead. You know, it's been said, you know, in the magazine interviews in the past and he's done podcast interviews where he mentioned it, you know, many times. So. You know, he, he has mentioned it many times that he's a, a big um, metalhead. So, yeah, you'll hear a few of these songs where maybe not our taste, but it's definitely up his alley. For sure. For sure. So, uh, Jerry started wrestling in 1988. And uh, like I said, he traveled around a lot. Uh, AWA, Global, Michinoku Pro, CMLL. But we'll start here in 1995 when Jerry goes to WCW, puts on a mask and purple outfit and becomes... Mr. JL, which uh, in the pantheon of masked wrestler names, um, not the most creative, Mike, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. It was very, uh, you know, I think, I think they had like a minute to think about it. It's like, all right, what's his initials? All right, Mr. JL, get out there. You know what I mean? But uh, not too much. And, and for what they were trying to do with like a Power, Ranger, Power Rangers gimmick, you would think maybe it would be a more 
like Dynamo or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, like, like some kind of more of a name that kids would like than Mr. JL, which is, you know, I don't know, Mr. Magoo. Like, it, it kind of makes sense <laughs> like more, of a, more of an old, like an old man name. You know what I mean? Like, you would think like for kids, you, it would be more of like a, a, a kitty name, you know, for that time than, than that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because when he was in Michinoku Pro, he wore a mask there too. And his name was Gorgon Cross. Now, that's a cool name for a wrestler right there. Yeah, Gorgon, um, Gorgon is cool. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, he's Mr. JL here in WCW. And uh, his first theme is by Francesco Caruso, Luciano Favarin, and Maurizio Correcha. It's from the Perry Music Library. And it's called, appropriately enough, Metalhead. <laughs> So this is your standard rock instrumental from a library. Uh, they were a dime a dozen in WCW. We've played so many of them over the years on this show. And, uh, you know, it, it's a fine song, but ultimately it does not stand out in any way. It's just kind of there. And that's appropriate for Mr. JL, I think, because he was a good wrestler, but he was also just kind of there. They never pushed him or heavily featured him. He was always just kind of there on main event and pro and worldwide and all of those, you know, B and C shows in WCW. So they go hand in hand in that sense, Mike, I think. Yeah, because by then Saturday Night was a B show. And, um, you know, like, I, I think a lot of those WCW songs, because, you know, as soon as I, I, I first heard this song, when I started playing it, for, it definitely started, you know, it was very WCW, you know what I mean? Because WCW must have used a lot of the songs in, the, in that library. I guess whatever it was songs that they used, you know, maybe there were songs that you'd hear in commercials even, you know, or, or promos or underlaid for like hotline numbers or something like that but yeah it was definitely a very wcw song where like a lot of the songs definitely had like those kind of generic riffs where they, they were fun songs but i mean they were like they all kind of sounded very similar where like you have to hear them individually it's kind of like you can't really remember think of it at the top of your head you know what i mean where they really stands out from one another you know so yeah as opposed to like uh you know, a few of the other themes from that time, you know, I mean, that, you know, that they would give for, like, you know, the guys in, you know, 95. Mm -hmm, right. I mean, funny enough, this type of song sounds like a much better fit for Jerry Lynn than the songs he would have later on in his career. Because, like, the more straightforward rock and riffs stylistically come off as a better fit for this, you know, blonde, high-flying good guy, more so than the, the heavy, growly, super intense death metal that he'll have later on. Um, but in this case, again, it's not Jerry Lynn, it's, it's Mr. JL, so I guess in this case it's kind of a, a moot point, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not the, but it wasn't bad, you know what I mean, just, uh, you know, mid-level mid, mid theme for what he was at the time, where he was, you know, kind of an opening act guy, you know, not much else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, this song was also used by Johnny Swinger in WCW, which is another common trope of the company that we talked about before on the show, uh, the interchangeability of theme songs among lower card guys. You know, one guy has it this year, another guy has it that year, and it's like nobody cares because they're all just, you know, lower card guys. So, you know, <laughs> what, what does it matter, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. And like and like we were saying, too, like all these songs kind of sound, you know, I mean, there were very, you know, they do sound a little bit different, but like, you know, they, they kind of all ran together. And so I was like, all right, play them out, you know, so... It was WCW. That's wouldn't be WCW without doing stuff like that. No, no. <laughs> so uh, the second Mr. JL theme is one he had until the end of his run in WCW in '97. This is by Darren Loveday and Stephen Loveday from the Music House Library. This is called Stamina. <laughs>
this is more the same as Metalhead, same genre, same sound. Um, the riff kind of reminds me of Peace of Mind by Boston, mixed with, like, uh, Scorpions, Rocky Like a Hurricane. That's what I kind of felt from this one. But uh, ultimately, again, nondescript rock music. No lyrics, no real character traits either. So, you know, you do wonder, like, why bother changing it for Metalhead at all? It's the same thing, but, uh, you know, again... WCW, Mike. So who cares, really, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I actually was. I actually liked this song just because it reminded me of WCW. Uh, just the vibe of the, that song. Because I think they would even. I know they gave this to Jerry Flynn, which is funny because Jerry Lynn and Jerry Flynn had the had the same theme song. Right. I think right. they would even maybe give it to just random guys if they were just coming out just for a match against Lux Luger or something like that. You know, maybe they play this song too. You know, what I mean, just just a random song just for the guy to come out. You know. But yeah, it, it definitely had to remind me of the old uh, syndicated WCW wrestling and stuff like that. So I, 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 there's a little place in my heart for this song just because I uh, I like that riff of it. And I, I would agree with you. Like I always associated the, the Rocky Like a Hurricane kind of riff at the beginning. You know what I mean? That always stuck out whenever I you know hear this song. You know, obviously hear you right you know hear right away. Right, right. And uh, the Jerry Lynn Jerry Flynn thing that is so odd that you have two guys named Jerry Lynn and Jerry Flynn, and they had the same theme in the same company at different points in time. What a weird coincidence that whole thing is. And and I checked Cage Match. They never wrestled each other once in their careers or teamed up, no. which it's a shame because nowadays there would be a million indies that would book, you know, Jerry Lynn versus Jerry Flynn. Yeah, like style, those wacky style pairings. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or do like... um. Do like uh, Mr. JL versus Mr. JF or <laughs> the Lynn and Flynn connection or whatever, you know, something like that. But uh, we never got it, Mike. So uh, it's a shame. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even know that they even shared that same thing until uh, I did the research for this show. So I thought that was a little cool fact uh, I, I learned by doing this. Yeah. Well, another fun fact I have about Mr. JL is uh, the famous Botchamania clip at the start of every episode where Dusty Rhodes yells, he's got a bathicle. That clip is from Big Bubba Rogers versus Mr. JL. That's where it comes from. So even though, you know, Mr. JL did not really have success in WCW, he's still immortalized forever in wrestling culture with that clip. So he did get that, Mike. No, you're, and you're definitely right. I, I forgot to mention that you're definitely right because I think Excalibur will even reference it very, you know, occasionally on AEW television. So it is still, you know, mentioned. You know, if someone does a bicycle kick, he if you hear him, he does that little twang to it. So, <laughs> you know, he always and he always did on uh, PWG shows. Uh, him, Chris Hero. So yeah, they that 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 definitely lives on. Yeah, definitely. Dusty freaking out. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in July of 97, Mr. JL becomes Mr. Unemployed. He is let go from WCW, and after a few months, he lands in a new place called ECW, and he'll stay there in ECW until it closes down in early 01. Jerry's first ECW theme is by the band Fear Factory, off the album Demanufacture. This is called Replica. taken a very sharp turn away from the uh, the rather tame WCW themes, that's for sure. And uh, this will be the norm for the rest of the episode going forward, pretty much, because Jerry, as we said before, obviously a very big metal fan, loves his intense, darker, faster death metal uh, in particular, so the remaining themes will be in that vein, but lyrically, this is even crazier. I mean, the song is about cloning, it's about rape, it's about abortion... There was no love, there was only hatred, I am rape, I am hate, filled with pain, 
a bruised and darkened soul. Spare me from the life that's full of misery. This is pretty dark stuff here, Mike. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A lot of those death metal uh, bands back in the day would really, uh, yeah, get into some pretty crazy stuff. That's why I kind of shied away from it for the most part. But yeah, if you really broke it down because... Obviously, we we're saying like with the lyrics, it's more of a roar, the, the roaring noise where maybe you can't decipher exactly what they're saying. So, you know what I mean? So maybe you can't really quite pick it up right away. But until you kind of read the lyrics, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely something that, you know, it, it, I guess it, it was I guess it would be weird because Jerry didn't do much around this time when he was using this theme. He was just kind of there like a mid card guy, probably a guy, you know, probably, probably brought in at the time. Just because he was a good solid wrestler, you know, just a good good hand just to work, you know, the middle of the card, you know, blunt, he was a blonde tweener kind of guy, but yeah, he didn't really do much at the time of the use, so, you know, probably this theme song is probably what people kind of uh, don't really even remember, I think his other one is a little bit more famous, I mean, once he got it, you know, a little bit more of a push, but yeah, just a, a song, you know, I guess, and if Jerry, you know, maybe something that he wanted to do after a few years of working WCW, he's like, all right, <laughs> let me come out to, uh, let me come out to a song I like, you know, and they probably didn't tell him no, so they just ran with it. Mm-hmm, right, yeah, I mean, it is ECW, so a band like Fear Factory is not necessarily out of place. Um, the song may not be fun, but, you know, it does fit that environment, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I imagine Paul Heyman was like, you know, what do you want to use, Jerry? And Jerry was like, this. And Paul was like, okay, fine, because, you know, yeah, copyrights be damned, whatever you want. So, yeah. Um, it's just, it's the fact that, again, it's Jerry Lynn coming after this song is just so funny and weird, because I know he's a big fan of it, but, you know, visually, character-wise, it's a bit jarring, because, you know, New Jack using Natural Born Killers, another very dark, intense song, picture perfect. But Jerry Lynn, this blonde, respectful, wrestler's wrestler kind of guy coming out to, uh, I am hate, I am rape, you know? <laughs> Not so much, Mike, I don't think. Yeah, and then you'd have Jerry Lynn, who was kind of a very, you know, unintimidating-looking guy, you know what I mean? So it wasn't really, yeah, it really kind of didn't fit as much, you know? And he would even do, uh, Jerry, Jerry Lynn was one of the, is one of the very few wrestlers that I can even recall that, that did promos wearing glasses, too. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just kind of a thing where, yeah, he... He, he was a very well-mannered, very quiet guy. And, and you know, when he spoke, he, you know, he's very, uh, very soft-spoken guy. You know, you never, you know, really heard him talk. But, yeah, he, you know, I guess there's that switch that, you know, gets flipped where he uh, he, he, he gets a little wild, you know, so. Yep, you know, bangs hey. his head, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows how to contain it, I guess. That's good for him, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure, <laughs> for sure. So Jerry gets his second ECW theme in May of 98, and he'll have that for the rest of his ECW run. So that includes the Just Incredible feud, the Mikey Whipwreck feud, uh, of course the big RBD feud in 99, and then finally winning the ECW world title in late 2000. So this one, also by Fear Factory, off the album Soul of a New Machine, this is called Scapegoat. He has not confessed, he has made no statement, charges of murder have been accepted against him. an earlier Fear Factory song than Replica. Uh, sounds a bit harsher, especially with the really growly vocals here, that killer bass line, all very intense. Again, it suits that ECW atmosphere very well. And, um, you know, theoretically, he didn't need to change it from Replica. Um, but in this case, the song is about the corruption of the justice system. So I do appreciate him having a song that's no longer about rape and abortion. It's, it's a tad lighter than that, <laughs> relatively speaking. So I do like that, Mike. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
definitely i agree and i i mean this is you know the song that i associate jerry lynn with um i really like it just because there's the the, the little guitar riffs at the beginning and then all of a sudden it kind of drives up a little bit and then it goes and then, and then obviously i can picture jerry lynn coming out you know with the death metal hands you know kind of roaring along with it you know what i mean he would you know he would kind of get into it and it really fit Jerry Jerry's entrance well, you know, because he would always do the, do a lap around the ring, you know, slapping hands and stuff like that. And as he did it, you know, the drums are going, the guitar is going. I could remember, you know, and then as soon as he got, you know, he he, he would get into it, you know. I mean, he, he even didn't seem like you know he would be singing along to it, you know. So it was it was pretty fun. That that's one thing I like about Jerry too is if you watch Hardcore Heaven '99 specifically, I remember it where like RVD's music hits and you just hear Jerry's just in the ring singing the song you know singing Pantera it was well RVD's coming out it was it was really funny you know I always remember that but um yeah I really thought that uh, it really fit him well yeah cause you know you had the RVD feud you know just incredible feud um, two of my favorite ECW feuds in the, in the company's history you know so yeah definitely associate that with uh, with Jerry you know for, the, for those years and uh, I I, and I Oh, I, I should say that I would be remiss to say I think I, ha- I had somewhere in my notes here. I, I did download this on Napster, so this was a song <laughs> where when I was in high school listening to it, uh, when I, I need I needed. So yeah, I had to download a Fear Factory song. And that was one thing I remember all the years because I was never really a Fear Factory fan, but I knew of them because they sang Jerry Lynn's theme song, so they were always on my computer. So I always acted like I was a, I was like I was a Fear Factory son, just to, or a Fear Factory fan. Just because I kind of knew one song, I couldn't name you a second song. Even the song that we heard before this, I didn't really even know. You know, just for a factory. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure you're not uh, downloading any .exe files. You gotta gotta watch out for those, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But um, the, the way I see it with this song, you know, as time goes on with Jerry and ECW, this type of music does come off as a better fit for him because he does get more and more acclimated to ECW. And that hardcore mentality, you know, he's still primarily a work rate guy, but you think of like the chair spots with RBD, the table powerbomb and pile drivers, um, writing die in Steve Carino's blood in his own chest, like that's ECW, that's hardcore. So it does make Jerry using this song and this type of music a lot more believable, I think, Mike. Oh yeah, that's the thing too about Jerry was, you know, as much as, you know, we've been talking about what a great wrestler he was, I think everyone kind of knew like... You know, he he wasn't afraid to brawl. You know, I mean, he you know he gave Justin Cribble a a run at you know from the from the top to the to the floor through a table. You know, what I mean, like you know, like running die with Steve Prino's blood. Yeah, like he was just you know he definitely wasn't afraid to like you know get a little crazy and get like hardcore and fit right into that extreme uh, ECW kind of uh, you know way uh, that you know was going on. So I think he really kind of fit that really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right, right. And and Jerry also used this song in ROH, in IWA Mid-South, MLW, places like that. So this did become the song, I think, most associated with Jerry by and large because of that ECW run. And uh, we'll see that it also influences TNA themes later on, too. So say what you will about death metal and, and growly vocals and all that stuff. But this song did play a, a pretty sizable role in his career, Mike. Yeah, 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 definitely. I do want to bring up this before we move on from ECW. Uh, on the ECW Extreme Music album, there's an instrumental version of Trust by Megadeth that is named a Jerry Lynn theme on the album. But as far as I could tell, he either only used it once or never as an actual theme in ECW. Um, I think it was used more so for the hardcore hotline commercial, but never as like Jerry Lynn's theme. He was always just using Fear Factory Mike. Yeah, I I was I had I had thought he had used this for November to remember '98, but he, he didn't. I went and looked up that he, he didn't. Um, he may have used it for maybe one match, like at, maybe at an arena show right after, like when they were kind of playing like all these new themes, like when they had made the switch over from Justin Credible's theme or RVD's theme to the new song because they were trying to sell the album. The album had just come out in October of 1999, I believe or 1998 so um yeah i think they were just trying to make make that work but it, it really if you listen to that song and it's a very good song i really like it a lot you know i mean i really like the song i really like the uh the original song too but it just didn't really fit with you know jerry as you know from what we've been talking about you know leading up to how great of a fitting theme song the last one was and this one it was more of like a melodic because even like when you know 
you know the you know the the song hit on on, on this one you know it, it just it wasn't as heavy it, it didn't it wasn't as intense you know what i mean it was just a little bit more of a light lighter rock than you know than what he had previously come out with you yeah. Yeah, personally, of the two bands, I prefer Megadeth. Um, but, you know, Jerry was the Fear Factory guy at that point. So uh, going to something a bit more straightforward and mainstream would have been a little bit weird, I think, in that sense. But um... what's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E. 330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network yeah but uh, but anyway uh, ecw goes bye-bye in march of 01 and jerry moves over to the wwf he's not there for that long but he did have a theme song it's by zach tempest from the extreme music library and it's called tomb it may concern So first of all, I, I do like the name, Tomb It May Concern. Great pun, great pun. But um, besides that, not much to dig into here. Uh, it's your boilerplate, hard rock, metal instrumental. Uh, basically a heavier version of the Mr. JL themes where it's a decent song, but ultimately forgettable. And again, like with the Mr. JL themes, it does sum up Jerry's run in WWF in 01, where it was ultimately forgettable. You know, he did win... The light heavyweight title for a month or so. Uh, he did have the one RBD match on Heat. That was pretty good that time. And he did make the video game that year. That is something. But um, yeah, ultimately nothing special. And I don't think anyone really looks at Jerry's run there with any fond memories, Mike. Yeah, I think if people hear this song, it definitely does remind you of Jacked, which was the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the show uh, WWF would run on the weekend. You know what I mean? I think they would probably 
which is where Jerry primarily worked. I mean, th those matches that would be before, you know, Raw or before the SmackDown taping or whatever, you know, whatever it was, you know, it would be those matches that, um, you know, yeah, like that, you could probably think like, yeah, that he, someone else may have even used this on your very, very something similar. I know a few other guys, um, or th this, um, Zach Sawyer is, has a few other uh, guys, you'll, you'll be naming them in a minute, where, you know, he had, had their, their theme too. But yeah, it, it, you know, the very um, late 90s, uh, rock sounding, you know, guitar kind of theme where, yeah, you know, kind of a very similar to, you know, a lot of other, you know, just a generic kind of rock songs for that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he never even got a Jim Johnston theme, which I think says a lot right there. And um, you did kind of say this earlier, Mike, but um, he doesn't seem like a guy that Vince would look at and think, there's a star. I need to push yeah. that guy. I, I mean, to us, he's a legend, you know, but. He doesn't feel like a Vince guy, so no surprise that he was never given a proper push in the company when he was there, Mike. And um, yeah, yeah, he he probably got there maybe probably for the good word in for him, you know, when he used to be closed and they brought a bunch of guys over, you know, obviously he had to be included in that. But yeah, just never really, uh, really never fully made it there. You know, really never fit there either. You know, I mean, I, I don't th I think, and and people would even say too, like if 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 it's a you know. Back then, people even used the excuse of a bigger ring, like, and stuff like that. So I don't even know if that was the reason why, you know, Jerry never really worked better in WF than, you know, how ECW was. But, uh, you know, yeah, just just never really uh, quite quite got to where uh, we, we all thought he was going to be. But, you know, that was uh, kind of to be expected in a way, you know, if you kind of see how Vince does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he actually got injured in August of that year and uh, got let go before he could come back. So, uh, yeah, just one of those things where the pieces never fit and uh, he had better runs elsewhere, that's for sure, Mike. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, as well, I will say this, uh, Zach Tempest has a couple other songs that were used as wrestling themes. Uh, Loaded, which is the Hardy Boys theme that is still used today in AEW, uh, so a very big theme there. And uh, Slow Death, the Hardcore and Crash Holly theme. Uh, so yeah, two very notable themes, whereas this one, um, definitely a distant third in notoriety, I think, Mike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. People do remember, obviously, the Hardy Boys theme is uh, legendary. You know, everybody pops as soon as they hear it. And the Hardcore Holly theme, definitely part of the Attitude Era, you know. So definitely think people remember that one, too. But yeah, this one's a, a solid third. Right, right. So Jerry is cut from the WWF in early 02, and he goes back to the Indies. But he also goes to a new company popping up that year, NWA TNA. And uh, Jerry is in the first televised match in TNA history on that first pay-per-view as part of the X Division. And he'll become, like I said earlier, an X Division pioneer, uh, two-time X Division champion, tag champs with AJ as well. And uh, Jerry had a number of short-lived themes in TNA during the first couple of months, but his first real proper theme for him, he got in November of 02. It's by Dale Oliver, of course, and there's no official release of this, so the audio quality is not great. Um, but regardless, this is called Fear. So again, the audio quality is pretty poor. Apologies for that. But you can still hear the obvious redoing of Scapegoat with this one. The deep bass line, the dun-dun-dun guitar riff, the growly rah. I mean, it's it's called fear, for God's sake. The cat is firmly out of the bag at this point. But like I said earlier, you know, Scapegoat is the song that was closely tied to Jerry in his career at that point. So it does make sense to call back to it with this one here, Mike. Yeah, a lot of those TNA theme songs, you could tell, like, Dale Oliver kind of had a specific style, you know, for every guy. And, you know, for Jerry Lynn, it was very similar to, you know, the East of You theme that's probably called Fear because it was from Fear Factory, obviously, I uh, presume there, you know, as a nod. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, like, a lot of those songs, you know, they, at that time were just very, just very basic, you know, songs that kind of very they kind of sounded a little cheap in a way too. I mean, when, when, and you know, teenage was just starting out, you know I mean? Um, the, the themes from that day, 
uh, I think he did come out to the born and raised in the USA yeah, side yeah. as well when he first started out, as you were saying, you know. But yeah, you think of the um, early days of, the, of TNA and uh, you know him and Loki and, and AJ having the they had a couple matches, you know, three ways together, and and yeah, him and AJ. So it definitely was a. Uh, but again, you know, like we were saying, it always kind of seemed like AJ and and it, it turned out to be true. You know, AJ Styles was their guy. You know, he was the guy that they wanted to you know to push, not Jerry Lynn. So. He never really quite got fully over. It was kind of, you know, him really just to help out AJ. But, you know, you could see AJ Styles is obviously a big star today, you know. And a lot of it is because, you know, he had Jerry Lynn to work with, you know, when he was, you know, starting out, you know, in TNA there. But, yeah, solid song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, compared to other TNA themes around this time, uh, it's one of Dale's lesser compositions. I, I think songs like I Am for AJ, uh, My World for Jared, uh, Scream, Raven's Theme, uh, Marvelous Me for Scott Hall. Songs like that are all better than this one. Um, now, granted, those all came out on the albums, and this one didn't. Um, but I think even if there was an album version of this, I would still prefer those songs to this one. Um, but to be fair, you know, to be fair, I don't think Jerry's music was ever like a super, super important part of the act. You know, it was the wrestling. And in this case, the important part was him being there as the veteran with AJ and Loki and Amazing Red and all those younger guys and having some great matches to establish the X Division as this cool thing. And the music was, you know, secondary to that, Mike. Yeah, exactly. I know I definitely agree with you, yeah, but definitely. So in February of 04, Jerry suffers a really bad injury against Juventud Guerrera. Uh, his shoulder gets really messed up. So he's on the shelf and becomes a road agent for TNA. And then over a year later, he returns to referee a match between AJ Styles and Sean Waltman. And then that leads to Jerry's return to the ring against Waltman a month later. So he gets a new TNA theme around this time as well. This is again by Dale Oliver, and it's called Gatlin Gun. Another take on Fear Factory here, and uh, that's evident with the uh, the very prominent Eora all throughout the song. And uh, I, I do like this one. I do think it's an improvement over the previous theme, uh, not just because of the audio quality, but it's got a little more spice and fun to it with the shredding guitar solos in there. Uh, still no lyrics, but otherwise, I think it's a decent and straightforward homage to the death metal sound that Jerry was known for. Mike. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I like this song a lot. You know, fit the uh, TNA at the impact zone a little bit more uh, as it you know went on. I, I really like this song a lot. And I you know yeah, like not really as well remembered as maybe the Fear Factory song, but you know for that time when Jerry was you know wrestling, I thought you know they, they kind of just hey we'll just use the song that everyone kind of remembers and we'll just go with something similar. You know, so <laughs> it, it served its it served its purpose well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's funny, because I first got into Jerry and TNA around this time, this is the song I associated him with the most. Even though that like post-injury run in TNA wasn't anything special, I still think of this song as the Jerry Lynn theme, first and foremost. And that's just, you know, me being young and that song imprinting on my brain as like the first Jerry Lynn theme I heard. Because, you know, for you, it's probably, you know, Mr. JL or, or ECW or whatever. But for me... You tell me Jerry Lynn theme, I think of this song right away. So, um, yeah, that's just the way it goes, Mike, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Fit them all. And uh, this would be Jerry's theme for the rest of his time in TNA as well, which uh, it would be on and off. You know, he'd be there for a few years, go away for a while. Uh, he came back in 2010, 2011 for another RVD feud. And, and then one more time in 2013 for one last RVD match on his retirement tour. So, um, yeah, a very sporadic time for Jerry in TNA, all things considered. But... Um, still a very important part of their history and the X Division, Mike. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Definitely. 
So the final section of Jerry's career that we'll talk about here is when he became a regular in Ring of Honor. Uh, Jerry did wrestle a few times there uh, during the first couple of years of ROH, uh, but he came back in 08 and stuck around for a while as a regular. Uh, he did use Scapegoat in those early matches, but for this run, he got a couple new themes. Uh, first one here is by the band Dark Tranquility off the album Haven. This is called The Wonders at Your Feet. So the real death metal is back in pog form. Uh, no, no, it's it's in Swedish form, actually. It's in Swedish form. And um, I have to say, you know, of the various death metal songs on this episode, I enjoy this one the most. This surprised me how much I liked it. Um, I think it's because it has those melodic bits in there with the keyboards, the slower bits, the more straightforward guitar stuff, as opposed to just being a doom and gloom audio assault the entire way through. You still have the harsh vocals, of course, but... The melodic stuff, it does make it easier to listen to, in my opinion, Mike. Yeah, hey, back in pod form, I like that. Yeah, no, this was probably the best overall song. I, I agree. I, I really liked it, you know, when you're playing. Um, I, I, when ROH was doing, uh, you know, the DVDs around this time, I don't even know maybe if they would even have, I don't even know if they were cutting the entrances or, or dubbing, but I'm trying to even remember if I can remember them coming out to this song. But then again, ROH was kind of, this was the post-Gabe uh, era of ROH that kind of was, uh, you know, definitely different, definitely had a different vibe to it. So I, I don't remember too much of it, you know, in the, um, nowadays, but it, it, I really like this song. It really fit him well. And I guess, you know, for what the purpose was at the time where, you know, he was kind of like this veteran at the end of his career trying, you know, for one more shot, you know, similar to like a Terry Funk and ECW kind of deal where, you know, he just uh, wanted to be a champion, even though he was the champion of ECW, you know, it was, you know, the last two months of the, the promotion, you know what I mean? So for him to win, you know, for ROH and, and for him to beat Nigel, you know, Nigel McGuinness, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, I think everyone, obviously you hear about Samoa Joe, you hear about uh, Brian Danielson, but Nigel McGuinness, man, one of the, the best ROH champions, uh, championship runs, I've ever seen any wrestler have uh, brilliantly booked, wonderful matches, uh, just just a phenomenal wrestler, uh, an amazing title reign Nigel had, and it was Jerry Lynn that was the guy that beat him. You know, it wasn't like Tyler Black at the time. I think Tyler Black was the guy who, you know, a lot of people were thinking was going to be the champion, and no, it was Jerry Lynn that ended up getting it. So. I think that left a bad taste in people's mouth for some, because even though people did respect Jerry Lynn at that time, while you're in it, you know what I mean? I think people are more thinking like, Hey, we want the younger guy. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I like Jerry Lynn, but I don't want him as my champ. You know what I mean? I think it really didn't fit as well. You know what I mean? To, to what I think they were doing, you know, that's maybe why it's not as well remembered, you know, today, you know what I mean? I think people kind of do remember it, you know, but, as far as the team song, I thought it was great. It's just that, you know, the ROH run, you know what I mean? Like, you know, hey, he did beat Nigel. That was great. It's just, you know, it, it was just kind of a, a weird time, though, for ROH where, you know, it just had a, a different, you know, reaction because the wrestler had just came out too. So they were trying to do something similar to a Randy the Ram kind of deal, you know, with the, the aging wrestler going for, you know, one shot of glory, you know. So trying to do that, you know, but, you know, Hey, the I, I at least like the song. I mean, I thought the song was pretty good. So you uh, kind of jumped the gun there because that's all in my notes for the next song. Actually, <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> it's oh, okay. It's okay. Me. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it soon. We'll get to it soon. But um, but lyrically, this song it still has nothing to do with Jerry Lynn at all. Turn forgiveness 
break the lens distorted, crush the infidel and turn about, famine in our hearts, bring up the silence louder, eradicate the lungs and take us higher now. You know, lyrically, it's still so over the top and out there, but look, that was 2000's ROH. That was, you know, much like ECW and other indies. You could play whatever song you wanted, regardless of whether or not it actually fit you as a character, you know, um, just kind of the way it went. And Jerry obviously had some reign to go back to his death metal tastes here, and he picked this one. So, you know, um, whether it fits him lyrically or not, it does line up with his tastes, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to have to go back and watch some of that ROH. Maybe this summer, you know, I want to go back and watch some of that ROH Jerry Lynn went. Just, just because now that we're talking about, you know, thinking about, you know, I, uh, I want to just to see if it holds, maybe it's better, you know, now in, in hindsight. Because you know what I mean by like where, I, I don't want to use maybe Goldberg as an example now because maybe people, some people really don't like Goldberg even now, but you know, maybe we're like, hey, people do like Goldberg as a WCB legend, but hey, Goldberg again, you know what I mean? Still, you know, like we're sick of the guy, you know what I mean? And maybe that's kind of how it was where you kind of need that little time to go by where maybe you could look back, you know, a little bit more fondly than maybe at the time where it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, he did only have this song for a few months because ROH was entering that, that HDNet era, that TV era. So a lot of songs were going away. No more Final Countdown. No more Give Me Back My Bullets. No more Weezer for Austin Aries, you know. So the times they were changing and even some obscure Swedish death metal band doesn't make the cut to the new TV era of ROH. And that that change in music is a very distinct boundary between what is considered the classic golden era of ROH, the Gabe years, and everything that came afterwards, Mike. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and I cannot stress enough how big that was when ROH had to drop all that music to go with the ROH, you know, the HDNet shows. You know, that really cost them even some, some you know, people that would go to the shows back then, you know what I mean? Because it just set, like, a really different tone of the shows, I think, the music. It was a lot more it really kind of did leave the void because music in, in ROH, you know, really did go hand in hand, you know, with so many guys and songs, you know, so taking that away was really a big deal. I remember like that was, you know, something where I think people kind of knew it was like this necessary evil where you kind of had to do it because of HD net, but it really did kind of hurt the product in a, a little bit just because, you know, even though it's just entrance music, just because I think, just it would just take people out of it a little bit, you know what I mean? As opposed to the, you know the songs that they already knew, you know. I, I give me what I want, you know. What I mean, this isn't what I, you know, I want what I'm used to, you know. So yeah, this isn't what I'm used to. <laughs> was that a Brian Regan impression? That was a Brian Regan, but yeah, that's that pretty good. Yeah, I, I got it right away. That's <laughs> yeah, very, very distinct voice there for sure. So um, <laughs> yeah, so um. So the final theme of the episode here is one that Jerry got in early 09, and he'll have this one for the rest of his ROH run going into the next year, which includes him winning, yes, the ROH world title. This is by a band called Dividing Light of their EP Instruments of Conquest. It's called Test of Faith. So at this point, I'm pretty much just done with the death metal. I, especially in this case where the vocals are so growly that you can barely understand them. And look, I love Jerry, but come on, man. Pick a Duran Duran song, all right? Just pick some Asia, for God's sake, because I'm all death metal out, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I agree. I know, right? Yeah, as opposed to, you know, Danielson coming out to the final countdown. You know what I mean? Such a, a nice song as opposed to that, right? But, uh... Yeah, this was one of those songs, like we were saying, uh, with the each unit tapings, just kind of a, one of these things where they had to change the song, so they probably picked 
whatever, you know, whatever they could come up with, you know what I mean? Even though, yeah, like I said, I'm surprised none of these bands will get the license being that, I mean, they're not like they're mainstream actors or anything like that, you know, they're probably very niche artists, you know what I mean? Like they couldn't find one band to do that, but yeah, or, you know, it's just a, it was just a song that I guess it kind of, unfortunately, maybe does describe the way, you know, how Jerry Lynn's career kind of did end where he was an R.O.H. toward the end and just, yeah, it just kind of ended from there, you know, and he got hurt, I, I, I know, too, and just, uh, he was a guy where he always wrestled, like like I was saying in the beginning, you know, he always had, he was always so consistently good and always wrestled at such a great pace for his entire career that, you know, he probably was a guy where, hey, if I can't wrestle like that, and, you know, the fans did notice that, you know, he wasn't worth this thing. Hey, time to hang him up, but it's been a hell of a career. So that's how it went. And, you know, hey, this song was, uh, you know, like we were saying, it's just a, a generic death metal song that, you know, like, or not generic, I should say, but, you know, just the, the growly, you know, like like your gargling rock salt, you know, the rocks <laughs> just and stuff. Like just, uh, just yeah, not my style, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's still significant in the fact that, uh, as you said earlier, Mike, he did win the world title. Um, and this was the theme he had when he won it. And uh, at the time, he was the oldest champion ever uh, before PCO won it a few years ago. And that was a big deal because, you know, Nigel was the champion for a very, very, very long time. And whoever was going to beat him for the belt finally would get this pretty massive rub. And, you know, people were thinking, okay, they had this guy, Tyler Black, this young guy. He's ready. Let it be him. But instead, they went with Jerry Lynn, who was already a veteran, already established at that point. He didn't need the rub, so it upset them in that sense. And, and yeah, there was the wrestler tie-in as well with, you know, the story of Jerry being the older guy, getting one last shot at glory. And, and look, in a vacuum, that's a good story to tell, but I think in a place like ROH, which had cultivated this feeling of we're about the future, we're about the young guys, having Nigel's reign end to Jerry Lynn, of all people, was, you know, not going to be that well-received. Even if they liked Jerry, which, you know, everyone likes Jerry, but I think in that circumstance, it just wasn't the right move to make, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I just started rapping there, so sorry to step on your toes, but yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely agree with all you said, and it just because, you know, like I had mentioned before, you know, and you more eloquently put it just now, but, um, yeah, just, you know, kind of, it was a thing where I think at that time, when you're in it, you know what I mean? It just wasn't, you know, maybe it just wasn't what the fans wanted, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone had to beat Nigel for that belt because he was in real rough shape by the end of that run because, no, you know, man, yeah. he was held together Ooh. by duct tape at that point and it, it just so happened to be Jerry Lynn of all people who beat him. So, uh, yeah, pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Black. I, and that's, that's, that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that was our discussion on some Jerry Lynn themes, and I do stress some, because he had a lot more that we did not cover in various promotions around the world. Uh, Halo by Soil, Take Your Best Shot by Dope, Swamp Devil by Artemis Piledriver, When Worlds Collide by Powerman 5000, Violent Revolution by Creator, Push It by Static X, Davidian by Machine Head, all those songs, all those bands, right in line with the kind of music that Jerry Lynn would listen to and, and like, so... No big surprises there. And um, him having such an extensive list of themes, it's a nice parallel to just how extensive his career was. He wrestled a long-ass time in a lot of places. And was he ever a megastar? No. Was he ever a world champion? Yes, but for like a fraction of his career. So business-wise, career-wise, there have been plenty of more successful wrestlers than Jerry Lynn, that's for sure. But in terms of garnering respect from everybody in terms of critical praise for his wrestling in terms of, of just leaving a positive influence on the wrestling landscape. That's where Jerry is most successful. And I'm glad he's still in wrestling as part of AEW to keep that positive influence going, Mike. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and you know, when you've done this show, I mean, you've, you've maybe done guys where, you know, there, you know, you talked about you, you've done four or five themes and maybe that only spanned four or five years like we're talking about a guy that wrestled in four different decades, you know, so this, he really did kind of run, you know, quite, quite, uh, quite a long time and had a, you know, quite a long uh, history of the music. And like I said, it, the music that he had, it helped uh, define the, the certain times back then, you know, like I said, like there's certain, the certain songs that you just remembered, you know, mid nineties, WSW tour, the songs that you remember NWA TNA when they were just starting out, you know what I mean? Or that the songs that are from the WWF, WWE kind of switch over, you know? So it, it uh, brought back some memories for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of oh, fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe a little too much death metal for our liking, perhaps. But uh, still, I really enjoyed this one. Hey, little little variety for everybody, right? You know, yeah, does, yeah, does, right. Does the body good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Yeah, if you want to, you know, follow me on uh, Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is Mike versus Philly dot or uh, at Mike versus Philly. And if you want to follow me on, I'm on Instagram too. It's uh, Mike Falcone. It's my name. Um, M I K E F A L C O N E. I'm gonna try this summer to post more. Um, pictures i i'm a really big vintage uh toy collector uh vintage collector just anything you know from the the 70s the 80s the 90s and you know crazy belief you know the 2000s is kind of considered nostalgia at this point you know too so i think you know i'm gonna try to maybe post more stuff i think uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say a lot less this summer on twitter andrew i'm gonna post just more pictures and bring more positivity that way because i think there's a, a lot of craziness in the world so i'll just uh, try to post some 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 pictures just to lighten the mood a little bit so that's how it'll go for me so if you are interested in that you could uh follow me there okay and music of the mat is of course part of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find all the great podcasts on there at voices of wrestling.com follow the show on twitter at music of the mat Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Mike, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Hey, thank you, buddy. Take care. All right, for Mike Falcone, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.